Hey friend, welcome back for part two about changing churches. Last week we talked about when to know that it's time to change churches and how to do it well. And this week we're going to cover four bad reasons for changing churches and four good reasons for changing churches. So let's cue up that intro music and jump right in. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. Okay, time for the shout outs. Those of you who have been so sweet to leave reviews online, this first one comes from Lily. She says, encouraging, strengthening, and practical. From practical parenting tips to beauty secrets to spiritual insight, this is hands down one of my new favorites. Her transparency and authenticity is refreshing in a culture that seeks to make life always insta-worthy. This podcast covers so many topics, and yet every episode leaves me feeling empowered and renewed to tackle what's in front of me. Side note, don't skip out early and miss the life hacks. They are legit. Ah, Lily. Okay, first of all, Lily, you can be my new... Uh, publicist. You can write all the content for any forward-facing material that I have, (laughs) Um, but she is actually right about the life hacks. I intentionally try to pull in stuff that's really practical, that has saved my life or made my life easier or whatever. I put it at the end so there's always a super tangible walk away from these episodes. I want the messages to be that way too, but life hacks, I mean, let's just get practical, right? So speaking of life hacks, that pulls me to something I want to ask you guys. I would love to pull from your life experiences and your life hacks. What are some simple things that you have adopted into your life that are so practical that you kind of think, what, why didn't I come up with this a long time ago? Or why didn't someone tell me this forever ago? And something that has saved your life, whether it's a skincare routine or where you save money and how you save money online or how you got your kid to sleep through the night. I mean, it really can be anything. So send those to me, Instagram. Again, if you're not on Instagram, I am on Facebook at Java with Jen podcast. So you can follow me on Facebook and send me a message on there as well. Um, Or you can always email me, javawithjenpodcast at gmail.com. So send me those because, guys, I would really love to hear and pull in your life hacks to the ends of these episodes. All right, so we're going to jump in to this episode for bad reasons to leave a church and for good reasons to leave a church. All righty, well, we're revisiting this topic that every believer, every Christian, at least American Christians for sure, have to cross this bridge at some point about changing churches. Now, it's not something that I endorse doing frequently because that will can be detrimental, well, is detrimental to your spiritual health and your relationships, um, but we addressed that in the last episode, so let us go into this episode. If this is the first one you're picking up on, we're, I'm going to go in with the preface and the understanding that A, you need to be in church. It's very important for your spiritual health to be in church. Um, real fast, Psalms 92, 13, I believe, says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord or the church will flourish in the courts of the Lord or the judgment courts. And so for you to flourish or for you to uh, be planted in the house of the Lord, causes you to mature and develop spiritually, learn how to love people better, um, let your rough edges get knocked off as you're in fellowship and you're constantly hearing the word of God. That way, when you stand before the Lord one day, you will flourish in the courts of the Lord. So this is very important. So I'm laying that groundwork first. Please understand that. 
I am not endorsing shifting seasons. This all comes with the understanding that before you ever, ever, ever leave your church, you should always have spent a lot of time in prayer and be in agreement with your spouse. And you should feel that the Lord is directing you to leave that house if that is what you are planning on doing. Always, always, as anything in life, we need to be led by the Spirit of God. The Word of God tells us this. And so, same with changing churches. If you're leaving because you're offended, that's not a good thing. You need to deal with your heart and deal with that offense and work out those relationships. That is why challenges and difficulty come, (laughs) is to develop our character. So working through offenses is our responsibility. Running away from it, running away from problems does not solve any problems. Um, Okay, so that's the, I just want to lay some good understanding, some good groundwork. But if you come upon a time when you're like, hey, I feel like we might need to be changing churches, there are some commonalities about why people might feel that. There are four really great reasons, things to pay attention to about why you might need to leave, and then four reasons that are just not good reasons for changing churches. So we're going to dig into those. So I'm going to start with the four bad reasons, okay? These are reasons you do not need to leave a church. One is, the first one is, I'm not being fed anymore, okay? Now, this oftentimes comes from people who have a consumer mentality of I'm not being fed anymore. Here's the deal. The word of God in itself is enough to feed you. And if you're going to church to get fed and you're not feeding yourself during the week, that is where the problem lies. (laughs) You, church is meant to be about fellowship. Yes, we're supposed to hear the word of God there and be challenged to grow. And it's wonderful when our pastor's messages are just riveting and life altering. But let's be real. Not every week is going to be like that. Um... You need to put your emphasis and your focus on feeding yourself during the week. That is actually, the pastor is not meant to replace the Holy Spirit in your life. Holy Spirit's job is to teach you, to comfort you, counsel you. He is the one who's, the Holy Spirit is the one whose job is to lead you through the word. So you need to be digging into your quiet times more. Instead of saying church isn't feeding me, perhaps you just need to be going deeper in your quiet times, okay? Secondly, if you feel like you're not being fed at church anymore, I have found in personal experience and in working with people as a pastor, a lot of times when people stop receiving from the pastor, it's actually because there's a fence that has created a filter or a wall in your heart, and that's why you're not feeling like you're getting revelation during the message. Um, In scripture, God tells us, forgive one another so that God in heaven can forgive you. When we're walking in unforgiveness or in offense, it actually creates such a serious barrier in your relationship with God that it can make it where you're not getting revelation. You're not getting fed when the word of God is being brought to you because there's a wall in your heart called unforgiveness. And so if you find that you're not being fed at church, you need to take some time with the Lord and search your heart. Ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, so good at speaking to us. Holy Spirit, what am I, is there offense in my heart? Is there unforgiveness in my heart that I need to deal with that's standing in my relationship with you? And I believe that um, that will 
possibly, very likely fix the problem because the Word of God is not the problem. The Word of God is living and active, and you can hear the same scripture 275 times and get something fresh from it every time because Holy Spirit breathes on it. It's living and active to penetrate between soul and spirit in your heart. And so hearing the Word of God, you can get fed every time the Word of God is presented to you. And so do the do due, due, due diligence to search your heart and make sure your heart is not the issue. Um, and then make, deal with forgiveness. Spend and invest more time in your quiet time feeding yourself. You don't eat one meal a week. You also you eat every day. Same thing spiritually. Don't just go to church to get your week's meal. You need to be eating all week long. And then when you show up at church, you'll actually have a lot more to contribute to the environment rather than just being a consumer. Now, Something to consider, has your church abandoned its call to discipleship and growing the congregation? This is something to be aware of. Sometimes that is a factor. And so if your church has abandoned that discipleship and something has changed and it just like you're, you've done the hard work, you're investing in the Lord during the week, but you still feel like what's coming on Sundays is just like milk um, and, and just not really beneficial, then I would encourage you to talk to your leadership and say, hey, what's going on here? Is is everything okay? Pray for your leadership. Maybe they're going through a dry spell. Maybe they're burnt out and they just don't have a lot to offer. Um, start praying for your leaders. That is a very, very real thing. Okay. But I'm not being fed anymore is not a good primary reason to leave your church. Number two, I do not have any friends there. Now I say this lightly, well, not lightly. I mean it seriously, but here's what you need to consider first. Have you done the work of creating friendships? If there are living, breathing people there, even if they're different seasons of life, you can still form friendships. I have friends, I have friends who are grandparents and I have friends who are literally just out of high school and that are genuinely friends. And so age isn't a barrier. I have friends who are in all seasons of life with grandchildren, never been married. You can find commonality with people from all walks of life. But Proverbs says that he who has friends is himself friendly. So that is the one common denominator I find amongst people who have lots of friends. They are friendly and they take initiative to reach out to people. Um, In seasons of my life where... I felt like I was doing all the work of relationships and I stopped reaching out. I found that (laughs) sometimes people will reach out if they start to miss me and sometimes they won't. And I realized the reason why I had so many relationships is because I was good at cultivating relationships and, and nurturing friendships. That's just how it works. Sometimes people think to do it, sometimes people don't. So if you don't have a lot of relationships at church, take it upon yourself that he who has friends must himself be friendly. Ask yourself, have I been friendly? Can I do more in this area? Okay, don't wait on other people. Assert yourself, okay? Um, Now, if you've done all the work, I'm going to give a caveat to all of these because I don't want you guys to walk in extremes where you're like, oh, this is black and white and there's no gray. Um, If you've done the work again and again and again and again and people are just unwilling and you cannot find community at church, yes, That is something that if you have all of these four reasons, like you're not getting fed, even though you're feeding yourself, you don't have any friends, even though you've been trying and these other things, if if all of that is present, okay, those are real issues. Um, But I'm saying none of these individual issues should be a flippant reason for leaving a church, if that makes sense. Okay, number three, 
third bad reason to leave a church is they don't have such and such ministry. Now, I did, I did hear someone recently was frustrated with their church. I did have someone recently who was frustrated with their church. And I know personally, there's a number of reasons they're frustrated with their church. There's no discipleship. There's no this, there's no that. A lot of their basic needs are not met, but they were getting hung up on. There's no prison ministry. And while that's close to their heart, um, you know, part of me wanted to say, well, then start the prison ministry, you know, like, but the real issue was there was a, a number of things going on and they were still working through a lot of offenses in their heart. If your church does not have a ministry that is what you would be looking for, a lot of times the problems that we see are the problems we are intended to fix. So if there's a ministry you think the church should have, then you need to approach leadership and ask if you can start it. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have a degree in Bible knowledge. You don't, you just need to be available and willing. You just need to have something to offer, anything. If you have something to offer, willingness, availability, whatever, a passion for it, a vision for it, ask your leadership and see if they will um, support you in pursuing that. Don't just be a consumer at church. Use your gifts. <laughs> you have to use your gifts. You're not going to grow as a believer if you're not using your gifts. Going to church and receiving ministry is only half of the journey. The other half is your growth happens when you put into action the things you're learning at church. When you actually start using your gifts and serving within the church body, that's when you truly begin to grow. Because then you go from just having a lot of puffed up knowledge that comes through a Sunday morning and you begin to have, honestly, the weightiness of anointing on your life because now it's no longer knowledge. It becomes fruit in your life because you're putting it into practice. That's how you mature and grow the anointing on your life as a weighty, seasoned Christian. So... If they don't have a ministry you want, approach your leadership and ask them if you can do it yourself. Don't be a consumer. Use your gifts and consider if this ministry you want them to have lines up with their vision. Okay. Um, if there's a ministry you want them to have, but it doesn't line up with the church vision, then you need to keep that in mind. The church has a vision and a mandate on purpose and it helps the church um, and the leadership to serve their purpose within the community by staying true to the vision God has given them. And so there are lots of ideas. As a church leader, I can say this. There's lots of ideas that will come to the table, but we cannot take action on all of them. In fact, probably at least half, maybe three quarters of them, we cannot take action on. We have to be true to the vision God has given us. That's how you become truly effective. So if there is a ministry that you don't see at your church and you really want to be a part of it, approach your leadership, ask if you can do it. Don't be a consumer, use your gifts, but also be mindful and supportive of your pastor if your idea doesn't line up with the church vision. And if not, then ask the Lord to present opportunity if this is a ministry that you are to be a part of, to create, to join from, from somewhere else in the community. Ask the Lord what to do with this passion that you're carrying. Okay, the fourth reason that's not a good reason for leaving the church is my pastor doesn't know my name. Now, if you're in a very small church, I can understand why that would be particularly bothersome because, you know, if you've only got 20 families in the church, he should probably be knowing his people. However, let me ask you this. If you're in a normal, average-sized church, do you know everybody's name at church? 
Do you know everyone's name? Because if you don't know everybody's name, I don't think it's fair to expect that the pastor knows everybody's name. He's one person with one memory. I try my best to remember people's names, but honestly, I don't remember a lot of names because I have 400 people to keep up with. You know what I mean? Now, as I develop relationships with people, I learn their names. And I know that's particularly why this bothers people is because a pastor knowing your name is indicative of a pastor who sees you, cares about you. Um, but I think, that, I think that you and I and all of us can be mature enough to say, to offer grace and be like, you know what, if he doesn't know my name, that's okay. Um, if he doesn't know me very well, that's okay. Let me schedule a meeting. Let me get to know him a little bit. Let me offer to take my pastor to lunch. Let me take him out to lunch. He might really appreciate that. Um, find a way to connect. Is there a pastor, another thought with this, that would be more problem-solving? You may never have a close relationship with your senior pastor. If your church is larger than about 250 people, then your pastor is likely to have to prioritize his staff as far as his time and his relationships, prioritize his staff, and then his staff is who will be the ones developing the relationships with the people. It varies from church to church, but the larger the church gets, the more spread thin the pastor is. And if we expect him to be the one man that's discipling us, then that's an unfair expectation. I mean, if you had 400 children, think how much time each of your children would get from you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not very realistic. So what you can do, that doesn't mean you shouldn't have pastoral oversight. That means look around and see who else on staff might be more available that you can glean from. It might not even be someone on staff. It could be an elder at the church. It could be someone who works in the altar ministry. It could be a small group leader. It could be a ministry leader. Or it could be the woman that you see who's constantly at church serving and she doesn't have a title necessarily, but she's always serving. She's been there for years and you see there's some good fruit and good character in her life. Take her out to lunch. Maybe she will surprise you at the depth and wisdom and experience that she has that you could learn from. And so, and I say that because as a pastor, we feel the weight and the responsibility of pouring into and discipling the people who are under our, under our leadership. But I've also been so amazed by the depth of richness of the people that are at our church who hold no position, who are not on staff or anything. And, and I'm just like, I wish people could see the gold that this person is. So usually we make them small group leaders <laughs> so people can start to benefit and draw on their wisdom. So look around and um, if, you're, if church is just too big for your pastor to know your name, that's okay. Um, pray for your pastor and look for who you can connect with. All right, so those are the four bad reasons for leaving a church. Here are four good reasons to, or more reasonable reasons for leaving a church. Okay, firstly, if you don't agree with the vision of the house, that's kind of fundamental. If you, if you don't, um, you just feel like you're constantly at odds with their focus, their style of ministry, maybe maybe you feel like, eh, I don't know, like I don't know that I could really flourish at a church that's um all about the show, all about the glitz and glam. Not that there's not a place for excellence and 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 lights and all that kind of stuff, 
But if the heart and the pursuit of the church is just to make a really great show on Sunday morning, I could not connect with that because I'm all about the nitty gritty of discipleship and being real and authentic and relational. So I would struggle with a church that has a very, very different vision than what is on my life and what I'm passionate about. So if you don't agree with the vision of the house, that's really important. It may not be wrong. Keep in mind, just because a church's vision doesn't line up with the vision that you have in your own life and how you want to grow, that doesn't make them wrong. We don't need to shame them or reject them. It just means that maybe that's not a great fit. Um, Okay, I mean, it kind of the same principle is at work, too. If you can't get, a, get alongside with the vision of the company, it's not a good fit for you, right? Okay, secondly, if church isn't doing anything outside or inside to reach people and true ministry is not being accomplished, you might need to consider a different church because we have all been given a mandate as believers to make disciples, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Judea, meaning right around you, your family, your church family, make disciples in the closest circle. Samaria being, expand that, maybe your city, maybe your state, maybe your nation, and then the ends of the earth, meaning missions. And so we should all be reaching people in each of those circles. I should be faithfully discipling my children. I should also be faithfully um, praying for my coworkers and people I interact with out in public. And people within the community that I build relationships with. I should also, missions should be a priority in my life. Whether I'm giving, whether I'm going, whether I'm praying, sponsoring a child through compassion. Whichever mission should be a priority as well. So, But if your church has lost all sense of outreach and discipleship both within the house and outside of the house, then... Technically, that's not a thriving, living, flourishing church. If they're not doing those things, I don't know what in the heck they're doing. (laughs) So if they're not making disciples and there is no form of outreach, you need to look for a new church. Um, Third, if there's an abuse of power or financial mishandling, and I add that one because I have heard of this, especially recently, but if there's a severe abuse of power, be careful. Sometimes we perceive an abuse of power, but it's really that we just don't understand a situation. So you have to be very careful with that. Um, But if you consistently see bad fruit, like bad fruit from the pastor, they're controlling, they're manipulating, they use the Bible to alienate or put down people, they're not willing to be held accountable, you can't ask them any questions, Um, you can't, they're not transparent with the way they're handling the finances of the church, stuff like that, all of those are really major red flags that their leadership does not have accountability because 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy are very, very clear about how an elder of the church is to behave and that they're held to a higher standard, that they're supposed to demonstrate fruit both in their personal life and in their church life. And so if they're demonstrating an abuse of power or financial mishandling, then you need to look for a new church promptly. Uh, When I say financial mishandling, there is a difference between I don't quite agree with how they spent money here Versus mishandling, which is like, usually if there's financial mishandling, it will become very apparent because the finances of the church begin to fall apart. Important things that should be done are not getting done. We know a church that they went through a hurricane and insurance money came in to fix everything, but the insurance money got used on other things and the church still is not fixed. Well, that was financial mishandling. It should not have happened that way. And so if the 
pastor's not accountable, if there are if he doesn't have the ability for people to speak into his life and and hold hold his power accountable, then um, and you see him abusing it, that is very dangerous. Also, if there's a lack of the fruit of the spirit um, in their life, that pastor's unhealthy. It may not mean he's wicked. It could just mean he's burned out and he's disconnected from the Lord. Um, but all of those are warning signs that, hey, this is not a good situation and you should probably look for something else. Um, okay, the fourth one is if you haven't found community, I know this sounds like contrasting to the other one, but it can be a good reason to shift churches if you have not found community and you have tried and tried and tried again. Okay, um, again, do your part to reach out and try to build community everywhere I've gone. Everywhere I've gone, I have nurtured and built community. We have people come to our house. We go out to lunch with other families after church. Our friend, our kids make friends with other people's kids, and we intentionally hang out with their parents. Um, we go to church events, and we get to know people that way. We go to Wednesday nights, and so it's a smaller setting or a small group maybe, and that way you're building relationships. We volunteer within our church, and that's a great way to build relationships. So if you've done all those things, or tried, and you have not been able to find community, and you've been there for years, then consider changing. However, I say that with a big caveat, because I mean, I have friends who, they were at our church for five years, and they sat in the balcony, they came in slightly late, they left a little early, they sat in the balcony, they were out of touch from everybody in the church, and they were dissatisfied with church. Well, understandably, one of the biggest parts of church is, hi, you're joining a family. <laughs> and so to be part of a family, you need to have relationships. So their change in experience happened when they said, you know what? If we never get out of this balcony, if we don't find friends, we're never going to enjoy this church. And so she actually spotted me. I was young and pregnant and she was she had just had a baby or was about to have a baby or something. And so she followed me around the church until she was able to introduce herself, and we are fast friends even to this day. So they confronted themselves for what they were doing that was not helping their situation. So you, it's an equal, like there's an equal balance here. You have your part to play, but if you've done everything in your power to create community and it's still not happening for whatever reason, um, then community is an important part of church. And so it might be a good time to begin to ask the Lord, Lord, where can we find community? Either help us find it here or show us where we can find community. Um, I do remember in seasons of my life, like when I went to Bible school, I remember I was there for, it felt like forever. It's probably just a couple months, but I uprooted from home, went to Bible school. And I remember I was around all kinds of people all the time. I knew all kinds of people but I didn't feel like I was building those deeper kindred relationships that my heart was craving. And I remember just having to ask the Lord to bring me friends. I said, Lord, bring me friends. I need friends. I need people who know me, who I can know, who I can hang out with and be myself with. And the Lord literally brought me friends even the very next day. And so if you're struggling to find community, I would say make sure you're praying about it first. Make sure you're doing everything that you can. But if for whatever reason you just cannot break into community at that church, then prayerfully consider picking a new one. So I hope these are helpful. I know this doesn't deal with all the issues that we feel and experience in life. And this one was more, I don't know, 
I hope there was a lot of wisdom in this. I, I always want to be careful because when we get offended, when we get kind of a selfish lens or a self-serving perspective, it can be easy for us to look outside of ourselves and be like, hey, they're not satisfying what I need and thus I'm not happy, so I'm going to leave. And that's not healthy. Listen, anytime you transition one season to the next, the way you leave one season is how you will begin the next. So if you're leaving this season with a selfish perspective or an unwillingness to put yourself out there or an offended heart or anything like that, you're just going to repeat the same issues in the next season. So always take the time to deal with your own heart first, work through any offenses that are there, ask the Lord to help you create community. If you want to start a ministry, start a ministry, go to leadership. If you feel like pastor doesn't know your name, take him out to lunch. There are options and solutions for most of these. The rare instance is when you're in an unhealthy church and you just need to leave. That is the rare instance, but they do exist, which is why I wanted to speak to it. So if any of you guys have questions, this is kind of a touchy, I say touchy because it's a major life change. That's why. And we don't want to be careless with this. If any of you guys are like, hey, what would Jen say to me about the situation I'm in? Feel free to reach out. Like, I don't want you guys to think the only time you can hear my voice (laughs) is on this podcast. Um, I really care about you guys and I love hearing from y'all. So if if you're going through something, send me a message on... um, on Instagram or on Facebook, and we could even set up a phone call. And uh, I really do care about y'all. So anyhow, I hope this was helpful. If it brought answers to anything, any questions that you had, um, you know, share it. Share it with a friend or if you know someone who's kind of going through this and is tossing things around. But the most important thing is don't step unless you hear the Lord leading. And if you're just unsure, look at the fruit that's being produced and make sure you have done your part to have clean hands and a pure heart in whatever it is that you're walking through. Okay. I love you guys and stay tuned for life hacks. It's super practical way to break up stubborn stains and all the things. All right. Love you guys. Okay, so for this week's life hack, I'm going to help you love your Dawn dish soap in many more ways than one. Okay, so Dawn dish soap, we already know, is the holy grail of dishwashing. However, it has such great components in it that really break down difficult stuff. It can be used for insecticide and cleaning carpets, washing clothes, cabinets, all kinds of things. So I'm going to read through these real quick. First of all, I have found, this is me personal, there's an article that I'm pulling from to kind of add more to this. Um, and I'm going to put the link to the article in the show or in the show description um, on the whatever platform you listen to. It'll be in the show description. So you can go to the link because each of these things actually has like a different um, recipe, if you will, of how much soap to use. So you'll want to see the recipe. So that's why I want to share this. But I first discovered the beauty of dish soap in that I had a friend who would get poison ivy all the time. And poison ivy, if you know how it works, it's the oils of the plant um, that spread on your skin and that get stored in your skin that cause it to spread. So getting rid of poison ivy is actually about drying up those oils. And so he found that Dawn dish soap in the shower Um, was one of the best ways to get rid of his poison ivy problem. And he was highly allergic and Dawn dish soap was the only thing that would do it. So if you have a poison ivy problem, there you go, Dawn dish soap. The other thing I use it for 
is you know how like if you have a polyester blouse, you know, it's the kind that doesn't stretch, it's real light and flowy kind of sheer. Um, those show oil stains really, really easily. So if you're if your hamburger splatters and you get an oil stain on your shirt, it's like impossible to get out. Well, enter Dawn dish soap. Dawn dish soap breaks up grease stains, right? That's how it gets your dishes clean. So scrub a few drops of the Dawn dish soap into your clothing where that stain is and then just throw it in the wash and boom, you have saved your clothing. So those are two things I like to use Dawn dish soap for. I have a feeling it would also work really well, especially with a magic eraser, to get the dirty grime off of the uh, off your shoes. Like if you have a rubber toe on your shoe or even the rubber around the outside of your shoe, try Dawn dish soap with a magic eraser and I think you'll experience magic there. That's off the top of my head. So someone try it out and let me know. Okay, but here's some things that this article says. Dawn dish soap will prevent insects from entering your garden. If you're a gardener, they talk about mixing Dawn dish soap with vinegar and warm water, almost equal parts, and you spray the mixture on all of your plants, both the leaves and the roots, and it keeps the bugs away. Um, tough stains from your clothing. We already covered that. And let's see. Cleaning your cabinets and cupboards, apparently because in the kitchen, we get the greasy grime from the oil that is in the air from cooking and also from our fingers always touching and so Dawn dish soap can help break that up and so you'll want to click the link to see what the recipe is for that um actually let me see it says squeeze four drops of dawn onto a damp sponge and then wipe the cabinets and cupboards so you don't want a ton and you don't want to scrub because you don't want to tear up the paint so put it on damp cloth like a microfiber cloth so just four drops i guess is enough to kind of break up the grease and then it also cleans stainless steel. Number four is it cleans stainless steel. And you're going to use a microfiber rag for that as well because that also helps lift off fingerprints. Um, it says a few drops of Dawn dish soap on a cloth or sponge. Start scrubbing. And so the thing with dish soap is, of course, just a few drops does the job. You don't want tons or else you end up with soap and streaks and then it defeats the purpose. Okay, ant repellent. It also talks about how you can mix it with dish soap and hydrogen peroxide, put it in a spray bottle and spray where your ants come in, leave it for 10 or 15 minutes and then wipe it off and then your ants should not return after that. Um, it cleans carpet stains. Uh, let's see, this thing said, mix one cup of Dawn dish soap and two cups of hydrogen peroxide and then put the mixture in a spray bottle, spray it on the carpet stain Actually, they said you don't even have to use a spray bottle. You can just kind of put the mixture in a container and, and use it on a damp rag. Um, but this will help get the stains out of your carpet. And then lastly, this is a good one. Use Dawn dish soap to clean your bathtub. You know, something to get grime in your bathtub as well. Apparently, Dawn dish soap helps with this as well. So go check out that link. And that's your life hack for today. Look, boom, made it in five minutes. So I hope you guys that this message was helpful to y'all about knowing when or what are good reasons and what are bad reasons for leaving church or changing churches rather. Never, never just leave. You always need to be in a church. Um, and Dawn Dish Soap for cleaning up the practical grimes of life. So thanks for tuning in, y'all. I will catch you next week. Love you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. 
For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say hey. It's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Thank you to each of you for your ongoing support. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Until next time, remember, you've got this and God's got you.